Looking for a great new thriller? Check out Conundrum Publishing. We publish books that make you think. From mind-bending thrillers to heart-wrenching dramatic action-adventure novels, our books will keep you up all night, turning the pages eager to find out what happens next. So, what are you waiting for? Head over to conundrumpub.com str for three totally free thrillers. You won't be disappointed. Again, three full-length action thrillers totally free at conundrumpub.com str. You have somehow ended up listening to the stuff that's real that you didn't know was real but also is cool podcast or sturdy dick were bayek or uh never mind welcome back ladies Gentlemen, lizards, and anyone else, an other, <laughs> whatever category you identify as these days. Welcome to the show. This is uh, it's a crazy world. We can identify as anything now. <laughs> Speaking of crazy worlds, we're going to talk about the crazy world today. Yeah. All kinds of stuff that you might say is real, but also is cool that you didn't know was real. Something like that. Some, some iteration <laughs> of that. Is what we're going to. We've only been doing the podcast for like over a year now. I, I guess eventually we'll figure out the. Uh, it's a shtick, man. <laughs> the actual title of the show. I'm, you know, the way I feel, people can read the show title from the iPhone that they're looking at while they drive down the road at 80 miles an hour. I don't need to that repeat is, it to them perfectly, verbatim. Yeah. Perfectly That's verbatim. True. That's redundant. We should do one on redundancies, but not today. Today, we will do a show on something else. But before we get started, I just want to remind everybody that we write books. We write thrillers. We write action, adventure romps through jungles, rainforests, Icelandic caves, and tundra worldwide. And both of our series are very similar in that we pretty much are professional researchers. We bring real history and real geography and certainly real archaeology into our books. Kevin writes the Dan Kotler series. I write the Harvey Bennett series. Both of these People are completely 100% interchangeable, as are the <laughs> stories we write. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I, I kid. I that's kid. not uh, far off, but yeah, that's true. <laughs> but it's not far off. We often write about the same topics in different events, different ways. And this show is sort of, in a sense, the outcome of that or the outpouring of that, because we have inevitably more research done for each book than we can possibly cram into each book. And so that research bleeds out into things like, let's start a podcast and talk about that research. Yeah. So if you, listener, anything like that, if you like to research, certainly if you write thrillers, if you write books of any kind in the genre that we write, especially, I think you would be well served to follow us around the internet because we do all kinds of fun stuff like this. I know you can follow Kevin and you can follow me on Twitter. I think it's just our names, right? You're Kevin Tomlinson. I'm yeah. Nick Thacker. You plug um, my name into almost anywhere. Yeah, know. almost exactly. Almost anywhere. <laughs> if you plug my name into almost anywhere, Kevin will also show up. That's true. Um, <laughs> like this we true. also, as human beings, are almost 100% interchangeable, which is why you get a two for one when you follow one of us. So if you follow both of us, you get a four for two. How's that for math in the morning? Too, pretty good. Too, pretty good. Okay. Too much. Well, that is too much math. Too much math. <laughs> we're going to back off the math and we're going to get into the stuff that's real. So without further ado, we didn't talk about who's going to go first. Do you want me to jump in with? with yeah, why don't you? 
Why don't you go? My you topic. Go first. Most of you all know, if you know me, if you've heard of me, most people in the world have heard of me. You know that I live in Hawaii or lived in Hawaii, and I currently am in Colorado, but we still own a home in Hawaii. And the place we own a home is a big, I guess, quote unquote, neighborhood. It's really just a gigantic plot of land. It's about 8,500 acres that was an old farmland, and it's now known as Hawaiian Paradise Park. It's on the big island of Hawaii, which is the big one. It is also the least populated one in terms of area and space. And there's a lot of land. There's a lot of rural areas out there. And like all of the islands, Big Island is very historically significant for the Hawaiian natives, the Hawaiian people that live there. And I was hanging out with my wife last night watching a show, and she got a text from some very close friends of ours who actually live still, and they own a home, uh, probably about a two-minute walk from our front door in Hawaii. So they're in the same neighborhood, right uh, one street up and about two houses in. So these are all like, you know, long, everyone's got an acre lot kind of thing. So they're all like these rectangle plots. So you can walk down the street and cover, you know, a lot of distance pretty quickly. But they live about about as close as you can get. They're our next door neighbors, effectively. And we got a text from them last night that they were finally excavating their land. And, you know, Tanner, the guy that, that a friend of mine that lives out there, he got it like an excavator and was doing it himself, I guess. And he came across an ancient lava tube, uh, which is the topic that I'm going to talk about today, because it's really, really cool, man. And he came that would be very cool to find on your property. I It'd would be, be very freaking insane. I was losing that. my mind. I was like, you got to be yeah. kidding me. This is incredible. Like a freaking lava tube. He found a lava yeah. tube, which is exactly what it sounds like. It's a portion of earth that's been eroded internally by lava. Effectively, in the link, you can see this graphic of how it works. It's effectively just a big river of lava pops up on the earth. And then over time, the crust forms over it, leaving a kind of an ovular looking bubble inside. And then that bubble starts to sink a little bit and forming into an almost perfect circle sometimes. What's called downcutting. It goes through the ground and just yeah. becomes this tube. And eventually that lava runs out as tectonic plates move around and stuff. And it leaves this empty tube. And so these lava tubes are all over the place in all of the islands of Hawaii. Um, certainly in Big Island, which is the only island currently that has active volcanoes on it. This is right in our backyard. And Tanner is digging around and he finds this lava tube. And he's like, this thing is huge. It's, it's, you can walk in it. You can walk inside of it, you know? So it's like uh, in Mexico, they, they're called cenotes, but it's the same sort of idea. You go down underground and you find this bubble, this tube. To make it even better, he found human remains in one, in this one. Oh, boy. Uh, I was, this gets better and better. So he's, wow. he found human remains in there. So there's a few options. Now, Big Island is sort of the Wild West. The area that we live is called Puna, or it's, it's actually very close to Puna District, which has a reputation of being a little bit more of a wild, there used to be some big drug problems out there. And so you have a lot of people, a lot of crime historically. It's gotten better over the years. And when we moved there, we didn't notice any of that stuff. But it's, you know, you can go find it if you want it, right? So one option is that, you know, there could be somebody dumping remains inside this thing. But because it's a lava tube and he had to excavate to find it, it's probably unlikely that, that that's what happened because this would, would have been, you know, this is ancient. This would have been a long time ago. Mm -hmm. So he calls the police and a bunch of deputies came. It's like eight or nine deputies come out with an archaeologist, professional Hawaiian studies archaeologist. And they, based on the placement of the human remains with like rocks around them, they decided this is actually a Hawaiian burial site, a ceremonial burial place oh, for ancient Hawaiians, which is the other option. It's very common for these lava tubes to be turned into, you know, uh, there's just shelter. For one, of course, you can go inside of them and live there. But a lot of people would use these as 
ways to bury their remains. So yeah, these guys just found this in their freaking backyard. I mean, this is probably two minutes away from our house. And I remember reading an article out there at Hawaiian Paradise Park, a guy moved there, it had to have been in the 80s or 90s, and he wrote this really long article. This was kind of before the internet almost. It was hard to find, but I found it on the the neighborhood website and had to wade through all this stuff to get to it. But essentially, he said that, you know, you find lava tubes all the time out here. This was a very common area for ceremonial. The little temples, they would build mounds of rocks, the lava rocks, ground up and then underground in these lava tubes, they would bury their dead. And so he found this thing. It's insane. I mean, I knew that these existed. I knew that's what they were for, but it's different when it's in your literal backyard, right? There is a picture here on this website. This is the nps.gov. National Park Service, because if you've been to Hawaii, Big Island, there is a national park called Volcanoes National Park. Yeah. So this is an article from Volcanoes, and it explains what the lava tubes are. It gives you, so it shows you some pictures of them. The Nahuku Thurston Lava Tube is the big one out at Volcanoes National Park. It's connected to Kilauea, if you've heard that, that name, which is the active caldera. And we got up there and went into the park and everything. And I was looking at this, feeling the steam coming out of a steam vent, looking at, you know, a pyroclastic flow out in front of I mean, it's just incredible. We all know that volcanoes are real, but it, until you stand on top of one and look down into it, it's not real. You know what I mean? And so yeah. to do this was pretty cool. Now, the lava tube at the time was closed, and they, believe it or not, used the excuse that COVID was the reason. So we could not go into this lava tube, but it is massive. It's a couple dozen feet wide, a couple dozen feet tall in some places. Yeah. It's pretty huge. There's a lot of lava flowing through here, and, and not anymore, of course, but you know, it's like, it's a cave. It's like, uh, they believe, let's see, they believe the, oh, this is a different one, but the Kazumura lava tube system, which is within the 500 year old Ailao, uh, I think it's Ailao, lava flow of Kilauea is more than 40 miles long. It's thought to be the longest wow. mountain in the world. These things are huge. This isn't just yeah. your, your small, you know, relatively small cavern system. This is a freaking tube 40 miles long. <laughs> yeah. So this is cool stuff. And looking, I, looking like, through the article you shared, like the, you know, they talk a little bit about like some of the cultural uses of these things, which makes total sense to me. Just mm-hmm. like the cenotes in like Central Me- and yeah. South America and Mexico, you know, those things got used for everything from shelter to ceremonial uses. You know, a lot they they found some that have like just tons and tons of bones from human sacrifices in yeah. some of those. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily the case with these, but like I was reading through the article how they. They used them for shelter. They used them for a source of fresh drinking water, which is, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, pretty ingenious if you think about it. Because that, uh, even though mm-hmm. Hawaii is an island, the water surrounding it is not drinkable right. unless it's filtered and salts removed. And yeah, like you know, it's it kind of funny. It turns out this is a whole separate thing. But <laughs> we were at the beach. I can't remember the name of it. But it's one of the beaches over on the Hilo side, and there's not a lot. There's not a lot of beaches over there, but there are yeah. the ones that are there are incredibly beautiful. Yeah. Uh, I want to say it was, uh, I can't remember. Anyway, somebody can call me out on that. I can get you where it is. But it's really, really cold water. And the reason it's cold is uh, a lot of the, the fresh water that's under the actual island pops mm-hmm. up and yeah. mixes with the temperate water of the Pacific Ocean. Yeah. Um, our girls called it Ice Cube Beach. And it was okay. certainly not nearly that cold, but they were very tiny and had no fat on their bones. So <laughs> they hated going there because it was way too cold. But apparently there's a giant bubble of fresh water just sort of living about sea level, but inside the mountain that is, you know, the whole island, if you picture right. it that way. And so this would be one way for people to tap into it. Obviously, they don't have drilling and excavation equipment way back then. So they're just sort of relying on natural sources. And these lava tubes right. are a way to get down into the earth 
And then the lava rocks themselves, which are very porous, will filter the water through. And so they get nice filtered water that was probably really cold. <laughs> it's probably a yeah. great place to, to hang out yeah. on a hot afternoon after the beach, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really cool. It's cool stuff. We crawled into one of these. It wasn't a tube as much as, I mean, I guess it was. It was very small, a very short little tube. Almost at surface level, over on the Kona side, there's an, an old, um, they have a, basically a fish hatchery that is historically important. It's where the ali'i, which is the ruling class, would be hanging out all day. So they were these, these sacred fish ponds. Yeah. And right next to it, the way you get in there is you meander through this, looks like the surface of Mars. I mean, it's jagged rocks and lava everywhere, you know, dried, of course, yeah, old, but it's a flow. There's nothing grown on it yet. And you can dig down or not dig down, but you can jump down off the path and, and you're in like a cave in these caverns and they have little plaques there that say yeah this is where they would hang out i mean it's nice and cool and there's no trees anywhere right because it's all lava. it's all been covered with lava so people would just hang out in there and stay cool and set up shop you know and hope yeah. that the ceiling didn't fall down on your head yeah exactly <laughs> and hope that the uh the lava didn't you know all of a sudden wake up again pele the goddess didn't wake up and and right. sat with superheated what did they say uh, temperatures that Exceeded 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit, winds, superheated fumes, maybe yeah. blast through the tunnel. Yeah. Yet the only sound, maybe the constant soft hiss of the relentless flow. That thing struck me was the sound. Sitting up on top of one of these lava veins. Essentially, you're on top of a mountain, and you know you can see for a long ways in every direction, but it doesn't feel drastically different than standing on top of any other mountain anywhere else in the world. Except mm-hmm. at your feet is a crack that just goes down as far as you can see. and there's steam coming out of it and you can hear the lava way down there making this soft hiss sound. It just, it's eerie. It's otherworldly yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I've never had that experience, so I can't speak with authority on it, but it is interesting. <laughs> no. And I couldn't either before this. I mean, I was, you just kind of, you kind of know about it. You hear, okay, well, Hawaii, it's a state, it's got volcanoes. That's cool. And until you go stand there and look down mm-hmm. into it, I don't know, for some reason, yeah. I love history. Right. And I just, yeah. I love studying history. I love learning about stuff. I'm certainly no expert in any of it. But for me to make the connection between what I've read, even like in Michener's stuff, you know, about Hawaii, all the way to like the actual, you know, scholarly art, you know, books and stuff that I've read. Yeah. To make that connection by standing there and seeing it with your eyes is, is yeah. just really cool. I feel you feel like you're part of something. You feel yeah. like you're part of this. I, I've just I've never lived year old in a place enough. where you could literally play the floor is lava. So it is. It's I a, don't have a context for it. Really, Annie's up the game, though, out there. Yeah. I would say it's life and death. Yeah. <laughs> Stakes are much higher. Stakes are higher out there, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I know from my training that all I got to do is throw a couch cushion onto it, and then I can survive indefinitely or virgin. That's to stop the flow. That's, That's to shut it down. That's right. Yeah. 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 That's very cool. Reason. I thought that was cool, man. I thought of that last night. I'm like, oh, that's exactly what I'm going to talk about. This is cool stuff. That's also very real. I had a topic that I could have brought into this that would have related to this, but I think it would be better to cover that maybe next time. Maybe well, next time, because you're on a kick of changing time and bending. Yeah, I know. I've been finding a lot of this stuff. (laughs) I'm Uh, excited to hear about this. That's it. I mean, the unfortunate truth about Nick's story is that it didn't actually happen. None of it really exists. And that is because <laughs> the entire world was created last Thursday. So this is something that's called an omphalos hypothesis. I believe that's how you pronounce the term. But it's this hypothesis that the world and everything you know, even your memories, were actually only created recently. So 
the idea of last Thursdayism, there's also, it could be, it says alternatively, it could be last Tuesdayism, last Wednesdayism. <laughs> I like last Thursdayism though, because we record these episodes on a Thursday. So that means that we've only been alive for a week now. Or seconds, but, if you think of it that way. Yeah. Or yeah, or we just came into being <laughs> at the beginning of the show. Yeah, actually, we just Thanos we, ourselves into existence. And, uh, <laughs> as soon as I did Nick, make him a verb. Yeah, as soon as Nick hit record, we came into being, and that's just the way it is. So the idea here, it's an almost like Matrix style head trip that everything you know, history, memories, even the evidence of your own eyes, even the most ancient thing you ever encountered, all of it just came into being recently. A day or two ago, last week, and that's the actual underlying reality. So this is one of those like inception style theories, hypotheses rather. As the article points out, it's possible to dismiss this using Occam's razor, it says, because it's not a very likely scenario, you know, that everything came into existence. But depending on your particular views about the creation of the universe, there's nothing to say whether you believe in a creator or not. Let's say let's go from the creator's angle here. If there is a creator of the universe, there's nothing to say that that creator didn't create the entire universe full formed at any given second, including its history with all its anachronisms and all of its you know questions. Everything was created instantly intact. There's no reason that couldn't be. If you think in terms of like, so I always compare the creation of the universe and the universe itself to the idea of one of these massive multiplayer online role-playing games. MMOs, mm -hmm. because this is how I sort of get my ideas about the nature of a creator and how that creator would be outside the rules of the universe, right? So I always explain it as if I created World of Warcraft, the characters and environments and all the physics of World of Warcraft only apply to that environment. I'm outside that environment. So you can't apply those rules of physics from World of Warcraft to me, the creator of the game. Right. Because they wouldn't apply. I can change those rules if I want, that sort of thing. So that, and that's the Matrix style history there, right? Right, right. You know, because the argument against a creator is always that certain laws of physics get touted as, you know, a creator would have to violate the laws of physics in order to do this. Well, that's <laughs> certainly a possibility. But I don't want to get off in those weeds. I want to come back to this idea that if I had created World of Warcraft and loaded it onto a hard drive and spun it up for the very first time, there's a rich history and landscape and physics and characters that, you know, all that stuff exists within that realm that didn't exist until I turned on the computer. So that idea is kind of intriguing, but there's also the idea that there's a concept of reality that says that it could be a neural network, uh -huh. that everything we understand about the universe could be summed up best by saying it's a, basically a virtual mind or brain and that everything in it is sort of a memory of sorts. And this is kind of the holographic theory of the universe. So in that sense, there's no reason that if there was a big bang, you know, most of us believe that that's right, the right. origin of the universe. But if there was a big bang, there's nothing that says that the big bang had to start from zero. In other words, the universe just suddenly came into existence and expanded outward. That 14 billion years of expansion that we currently believe is the outer edge of our universe might not have drifted that way over 14 million years as we know them, but instead popped into existence in that state. So 
That's kind of the idea behind concepts like last Thursdayism. And the implications of this are just kind of profound because it means that if it were somehow true, it means that nothing you know is real. So the article goes on to talk about things like, you know, the U.S. didn't drop bombs on Japan. There was no Holocaust. None of the history that we know would have actually happened. It would just be a sort of false memory that we all have and that we all share, like a mass delusion kind of thing. So very existential, head-trippy kind of stuff. And from a science fiction writer's perspective, it opens up a lot of really interesting possibilities you know, about questioning the nature of reality. We've seen this over and over again, and, and we're seeing a lot more of it now. As So there is the idea uh, that we are approaching what's known as a singularity, right? Uh-huh. And it's kind of a convergence point. It can be defined in various ways. I like Richard Feynman's take on it that, you know, eventually technology will increase to such a degree that we will merge with our technology and the universe as we know it, it effectively changes at that point, becomes something different. And all the history we knew becomes random data that we can discard if we want that won't matter anymore because it only matters what our reality is from that point forward. Right. So that's what's interesting about this kind of idea is we have, you can get into a sort of loop. I do all the time where <laughs> I was just kind of locked in on, well, what if this was true? And what does that contradict about, you know, the reality as I know it recently on, I'm going somewhere with this is what I'm trying to say. Recently on Twitter, a friend of mine posted something about how she feels Thanks to certain elements of our political environment and the way the world is kind of running right now, she feels like there at some point we ended up in an alternate reality, you know, and it sparked a conversation about how, you know, it's like there's two realities running side by side or simultaneously and we're experiencing both at the same time. Because you've got groups of people who think one way and then groups of people who think an entirely different way and both of them can't see the other point of view, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so it creates conflict and creates a lot of disharmony. And she kind of posed it as a question like, well, if if something like this happened, when did it happen? And I, as a joke, said my working theory, it was when they turned on the Large Hadron Collider. Oh, I I did see this. Yeah, yeah, I saw you. (laughs) Yeah. So I had this notion, a thought, a hypothesis that You know, they were predicting forever that if they turned on that Large Hadron Collider and they created that what they call the God Particle, Higgs boson, I think is the the name of it, that it could actually destroy the universe was was what they worried about. And so that was certainly one possibility because they were effectively going to create like an antimatter reaction, a black hole. You know, there was all kinds of theories about what was going to happen. So I thought, wouldn't it be interesting is they turn that thing on, they get their Higgs boson, and it didn't destroy the universe per se. It just basically wiped out maybe two separate universes that then collapsed into each other. And so then now you've got people from one reality dealing with people from another reality, but neither of them realizes that their realities have merged. And that would explain things like the Mandela effect, which I don't think we've talked about. Have we talked about the Mandela? Effect no, the I don't think we've officially talked about that. But that don't because uh, I will. I, that's mine. Dibs. No, you can't <laughs> call dibs. I'm just I've wanted to do that. And then I keep forgetting to do that. Or did you forget to do it? Or maybe it maybe. didn't happen. Maybe it's a Mandela. Effect. Well, well, maybe, uh, I, maybe uh, I covered it last Wednesday. 
We'll go into deeper analysis of the Mandela effect at some point in a future episode then. I hate to do it because it sort of crystallizes one of my points, but that's okay. We'll have some fun with it. And I think you and I are both essentially experts on the phenomenon. So it'd be really interesting to talk about it. But I'll, I'll do one on the Dunning-Kruger effect because I'm definitely an expert. That one is interesting to me. Yes, we can talk about that too. So that's fine. Both of those would be interesting. We should do that. But the, the point up. here is the world started last Thursday, and it's the sort of hypothesis that can be very frustrating. It's really sort of a philosophical hypothesis rather than a literal or physical hypothesis, but it can be infuriating, but you couldn't actually disprove it. Right. It's what do they call it? An unimpeachable hypothesis? Uh, what they, what right. They say that? Yeah, I think it was in there. I'm on the Umphalos hypothesis Wikipedia page, but uh, the one before yeah. it, yeah, reducto ad absurdum, that's the Latin for yeah. what it kind of is. Unfalsifiable. Yeah, unfalsifiable hypothesis. And that makes this sort of thing frustrating because it's kind of the same sort of deal as the flat earthers. Yeah. The logic they apply. Right. You know, a- well, what the flat earthers are trying to make it an unfalsifiable hypothesis by tacking on other bullshit yeah. to a theory that doesn't hold water. This right. one is unfalsifiable in that there's no possible way to ground it in reality right. without. Like, you can't put it under the microscope without describing where the microscope came from. Well, you can't be objectively outside of it. Yeah, because right, exactly. if for some reason we were able to determine that it was true, then it means that literally everything in our history and memory is implanted as a false memory. And so, if you could prove that it was false, yeah. then you could, proponents of this theory could just go ahead and tack on that falsification as yeah. part of their hypothesis of, yeah, this right. was put implanted or whatever as we're going to figure this out to be false, but that's actually part of the theory, and yeah, it could totally yeah. work within the last Thursday it's, you know, hypothesis. It's like the philosophical equivalent of using a word to define itself. Yes. You know, right. so that's, that's right. what it is. Like, right. redundancy means to be redundant. Right. And so you can't get out of the loop, which, ironically, is a pretty good model for a universe. If you really stop to think about a reality as an infinite loop makes a lot of sense. And there is that concept of the whole Mobius strip model of reality, that we're in a loop that time is cyclical and eventually comes back on itself. You start over and relive the entire thing all over again. So if you could invent some form of time travel, accelerated time travel into the future, eventually you'd find yourself in the past. And that whole idea is actually supported by quantum physics and things like, you know, Einstein's theory of relativity, you know, because of the idea that the faster you move in the universe, the stranger your relationship with time becomes. You actually start to move backwards in hypothetically and or actually theoretically because we've proven the hypothesis. So it is a theory. That means that there is a physical possibility out there somehow that you travel fast enough and you can go to yesterday or a year ago or 10 years ago. And it's just like if you got on the Concorde in London and yeah. then flew over to New York City, you'd get there before you left. Right. <laughs> just like that, right? Quantum, yeah. quantum mechanics? Kind of like that. Yeah. <laughs> so, but not at all. But, no, but not at all. yes, similar to that. If that helps you, then good, but it's not at all correct. <laughs> so, <laughs> you can agree with me or you can be wrong. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so anyway, so see, you can see the can of worms this opens up. It's a fun thought experiment, you know. Like, what if all of history started, you know, 30 seconds ago? Yeah. And everything you knew, everything you understood, everything you saw 
no matter how old it seemed, was only 30 seconds old. That is, uh, it has profound implications, you know? Yeah. And uh, so there's an Onion article, which it's it's The Onion, ladies and gentlemen, okay? It's The Onion. onion. Welcome welcome to, yeah. It's got a perfect little quote from the guy that wrote the article. It says, in fact, everything we remember or know of the past, including loving memories of family and friends, family is in, families and friendships themselves, the assassination of John F. Kennedy, the Industrial Revolution, Roman Empire, Stonehenge, Cretaceous Era, Big Bang, never happened at all, and are, in fact, artificial impressions of reality implanted into our minds by an unknown entity or entities shortly before I just now began presenting the results of this study. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's but a good it, way. That's a good tongue-in-cheek take on this whole last if, Thursday. If you, thing, right? Yeah, I mean, if you prescribe to the hypothesis that we're living in a simulation, which is very popular, even Elon Musk. Um, I kind of buy into that one a little bit. That's, that's Well, I think there's plenty of evidence that this is a simulation of some variety. What the consequences of that might be are kind of up in the air. Okay, this is a little deep, but there is holographic theory of the universe, that we're in a simulation, but it uses a concept. I read about this once in The Holographic Universe, a book on this topic, right? If you had a mirror, okay, and you're looking at this mirror and you can see your own reflection, all right? Now, smash the mirror and keep every piece in place. And now you're not just seeing yourself in one mirror, you're seeing yourself in millions and millions of tiny mirrors, right? So that's part of the holographic nature of reality. And you can see this in like fractals play a huge man. And you were talking about the golden ratio ratio. and that sort of thing in a past episode. Go back and listen, listener. And so the idea Mm -hmm. is that the universe can be broken down into these repeating patterns. And that in itself is evidence of simulation. So that's where that goes. So that's fun as thought experiments. It's great if you are, I've never done um, illicit drugs, but I hear this is something that if you're on pot is great conversation while eating Doritos. But this is how I spent my college years was talking about this stuff. (laughs) You know, what's funny is that with both of us, there somehow was not weed and alcohol involved when we talked about this stuff. Yeah. I, I, I suspect the people I was talking to made. <laughs> yeah, and now totally. looking back and thinking they were high, they uh, had to have been high in order to listen to me for as much as long as they did. But, yeah, but I there was know, no no drug had, required for me. <laughs> no, it was, this was the drug. This was it. This was it. I got a buddy. Uh, you know, Will Flora. Yeah, one of my closest friends. And yeah. We spent college making fun of him because he read comic books and would drop things like string theory and you know yes. fractal universe and all that and. And we were like, oh, you're such a nerd reading your comic book. And it turns out he was dead on with all that of it. Was, you know, yeah, he was way ahead was of me, the curve with us. Yeah, that's most of my education was comic books. Comic books, yeah, yeah absolutely. Well. And I was never a comic book kid, so I didn't, you know, all these superhero <laughs> movies started coming out. You know, I had, hey, who's Iron Man? What, who, who, what's going yeah. on with him? And he would give me the whole backstory. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. You know, and then, and, but watching all those Marvel movies, I think finally figured it out to do it right, unlike DC. Yeah. Uh, you know, they really do bring in a lot of science and a lot of real stuff. Yes. And so I could see how comic books would be a great education for the sci-fi inclined. And it's a kind of hyperbolic layman's version of science. Well, of um, course. Yeah, they're not getting into Feynman's, you know, actual mathematical theories, right? right? Like, but what it did for me, and I think it did probably the same for Will and for millions of other enthusiasts and readers, was once you learned that and learned that basic concept that it existed, ears perked up in science class when someone mentioned yeah, it. Yeah, And then exactly. you went and dug in and found more and discovered it was a little more boring than you thought, but it's also... 
once you get past the boring, it becomes really intriguing the deeper you go in. Dude, that's so true for me. And I think this is why I write the type of fiction I write. I really don't have any interest in being a mathematician. Truly, probably don't have any interest in being an academic physicist. Same thing with archaeology, right? But we've talked about this at length. But the applications of all those things are really intriguing to me. And I picked the perfect job, the perfect career path, because I don't have to talk about academic archaeology and, and write a bunch of papers that hopefully get published in Scientific American and yeah. you know talk to my peers about like the Clovis civilization and how I get to say, what if people lived in this lava tube, you know, 3000 yeah. years ago, and here's the story of them. Yeah. And so I don't have to make it, it doesn't have to be completely real. It doesn't have to be 100% yeah. factual. Whereas in any academic expression, you kind of do. I mean, that's the whole mm -hmm. point of being an academician, right? And they don't always yeah. get it right, of course, but that's the part. Yeah. So the comic books, and now, you know, fast forward, you know, 50 years, like we're making movies about all this stuff. Yeah. We're taking those applications and putting them on the big screen and making them really cool. But there's real math behind all of them. There's real stuff yeah. behind all of them. And so for the people, for the kids like me who would go watch those movies, yeah. I'm like, this is really cool. I want to go study this. And some people will be able to do that, you know? Ironically, the technology that went into making the first Iron Man film with its special effects and everything was actually like several decades more advanced than the technology of Iron Man in when he was <laughs> launched as a comic book character. Right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah kinda, he was walking around yeah. in this like lead suit, basically. You know, it looked like uh, it kind of resembled the deep sea divers from like the 1800s. Yep. You know? Yeah. And, uh, well, if you look at that, there's that Cuba Gooding Jr. movie. What was that? Well, he was a diver and a yeah. Navy diver back when the suits yeah. were like 500 pounds, you know? Yeah, exactly. So anyway. Yeah, I remember seeing pictures of that. That's funny. The moral is read more comics, folks. Read more and, comics. Uh, Stan Lee got it right. Stan Lee got it right. Rest in peace. All right. Excelsior. Well, that was exciting. This has been an eventful 30 seconds of reality. <laughs> <laughs> we kind of came in mid-speech, but I think we pulled it off. And I'm going to Thanos snap us into yes. existence right now. So there we go. Yes. <laughs> Which, you know, he didn't really do it that way, but he kind of went the other direction. But you know what? It's fine. I, okay, okay. Side note. Okay. Lessons. We're going to go one last rabbit trail and we can make it quick. But there was this whole thread or this whole series of articles and everything about somebody pointing out that Thanos could not have snapped his fingers in that glove. And they did like a YouTube series on it. <laughs> and I'm like, this. okay, so we've got. <laughs> We've got an alien who has a collection of stones that can alter reality. But the thing we're hung up on is that he can't snap he his can't fingers in snap. a metal glove. <laughs> so, yeah. So that should have been the director's cut where, you know, Iron Man steals the glove or something and, and puts it on and like he can't snap. Then he's like, oh, here you go, Thanos. Go ahead. <laughs> just, right. just hear that like metal on metal sound <laughs> yeah and thanos is like god my god, plan is foiled <laughs> the end uh it's gonna be a clap now <laughs> <laughs> right i've just altered reality so that i'm gonna clap <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly what's thanos the sound of back. one gauntlet clapping though there's another he does the, the little single hand clap thing yeah. right like, <laughs> <laughs> good stuff all right good well stuff. we'll, we'll right. come that on a later episode then all the thanos science exactly okay wow. well that was exciting that was a lot there it's lava tubes and uh lava tubes that were created last thursday i think will be the title exactly of the episode, so. last thursday's lava tubes <laughs> <laughs> well as we said at the beginning my name is nick this is my friend kevin we write books go find them they're fun they're even more fun than these well they're almost as fun as these conversations 
Yeah. If you're enjoying this, let us know. You can find us at stuffthatsreal.com. We'd love to hear from you. And as always, we'll be back next week with more stuff that's real that you didn't know is real, but also is cool. Ding, ding, ding. Got it. Got it. Nailed it. (laughs) All right. Peace, humans. We'll see you next time. See ya. Looking for a great new thriller? Check out Conundrum Publishing. We publish books that make you think. From mind-bending thrillers to heart-wrenching dramatic action-adventure novels, our books will keep you up all night, turning the pages, eager to find out what happens next. So, what are you waiting for? Head over to conundrumpub.com str for three totally free thrillers. You won't be disappointed. Again, three full-length action thrillers totally free at conundrumpub.com slash str.